Hello, holy crap. Um, it's uh, GOK episode 111, and I am horribly sorry that I haven't done one of these in a while. It's been since October, the middle of October. So um, my plan is to make up for it by maybe doing several shorter ones this week. Um, so there you go. I'm your host. My name is James Kennison. Welcome to the Gospel of Kennison, my personal audio journal. If you don't know who I am, I'm nobody, really. I, I just do podcasts at nlcast.com. Um, I do that story show, which is my main show. It's a clean comedy podcast for uh, everyone rated to E for everyone 10 and up. Um, and sometimes I do this one. <laughs> And other times I try to do Red School Bus with my daughter, who is uh, who's very busy at the moment and doesn't have time for her old man to do podcasts with him. Um, I figured today I would grapple, grapple with a question that I just had for myself. Um, but first, a quick update on me. Um I'm doing all right. I'm not doing great. I'm doing all right. Uh, For those of you that don't know, I do struggle with depression, bipolar, depression, and anxiety. And uh, I've been mildly functional, but I'll be honest, it's been rough. It's been rough. Uh, I've been praying a lot lately that God will give me uh, relief from my for my depression. And, um, I even, I know this sounds crazy, but last night in my prayer, I, I begged him for seven days. Like, just give me seven days. And I don't know if I'm going to get seven days, but I really want to make contact with God. I want to pray and, and see a quick invisible, um, quick and visible uh, answer to build my faith. Because um, a lot of times, you know, we, 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 we do put a lot out there and sometimes we don't get a lot back. And we make excuses for God that he's busy or he, you know, he's answering, but he's saying no. But I'm going to put this out there on this show to say that last night while I was laying in bed, I begged and pleaded for three things from God. One would be seven days of rest from from my bipolarism and, and uh, depression so that I could be my best self and just experience that for seven days. The other one was... Um, better working conditions for my wife at her job. And the third one, I was very sleepy (laughs) and I don't quite remember, but isn't that great? (laughs) Uh, I I believe it might've been prayer for my son because he's struggling at school. But, um, so at least God's got a way out of one of them. You know, it's like, 
he doesn't want to do but one or two, then I'll be happy with that because the third one I've forgotten completely. So there you go. Um, But right now it is 8.56 in the morning and I felt like podcasting, so that's a good sign. Things haven't been great, though, recently. Um, Like I said, I'm doing okay. I'm not the worst I've ever been. Uh, but, it, but it's, it's not great. It's not me doing my best and I want to be doing my best. I want to be, uh, at the top of my game. I want to be creative. I want to be, uh, itching to do things. At least that's the way I remember myself before depression. Always wanting to do something creative, always wanting to draw, always wanting to sing, always wanting to write, always wanting to get in the wood shop and do stuff, always having something going on instead of just playing video games or slouching around the house. I will say that lately I've been reading the Bible and uh, I I uh, hadn't been much of a Bible reader for the last few years. I was when I was working as a pastor, but I kind of slacked off after I quit my job because of the depression. I guess it's just one of those things that you do um, just because... I guess because you were once so close to it and then you feel so far away from it. But anyway, I, I started in the worst possible place that I could think of to start reading the Bible. And that's where I usually stop reading the Bible when I try to read all the way through. And I started in Leviticus. I do not suggest that you start in Leviticus, but I wanted to get, um, I wanted to get the, the hard part over. And for me, reading the law and reading um, about all the numbers of people and their lineages is the hard part. So I got Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, you know, which is good. Deuteronomy, Joshua, uh, Judges, which is good. Ruth, first and second Samuel, which is all right. Um, first and second Kings is hard. Uh, a lot of a lot of genealogies and and who, what king did this and how long he was on the throne and whether he did evil in the sight of the Lord or not or if he did as his father David did and then uh, that's mostly the Israel king and then and then you got first uh, Chron- Chronicles which is a lot of numbers and dates and and lineages and and stuff like that. Um, uh, I got through first set Chronicles and Ezra and then Nehemiah, which is a great story um, and kind of overlaps with Ezra's story. And now I'm in the Psalms and I'm at, uh, I want to say 80 something. And so I've like, there's like 150 something Psalms. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. I need to go back. And reread Genesis and Exodus because when you start in Leviticus, it's a rough it's a rough 
thing. It'll mess with your idea of who God is. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, because God sounds mad and he sounds like he's not going to let you get any, any uh, grace or mercy. Like you've got to do what he wants you to do or you're cursed. And, and I guess in the new Testament, we learn that that was kind of the point of the law. But I've been reading the, the Old Testament as if there was no New Testament. I wanted to understand it the way these people understood it when they heard it. And I'm so glad I didn't live during those times because I think I would have failed. Not because I wanted to, but just because of the way my, my, myself is. Myself is. Makes sense. Um, I, I, I would just come up short. And because there would be so much pressure to do the right thing. And I, I come up short with, with the Christ model, you know, I, I do. I feel like I do with, with all the grace and mercy and the, the, the person we have that abdicates for us, um, at the throne of God and, and, and is our, is our lawyer for lack of a better word as, as Job wanted, um, did I say Esther Job? No, I forgot about those two. I read those two, by the way. Um, but anyway, it's uh, I, I'm looking forward to getting through the OT, so I can get into the New Testament. I I did read Matthew before I began, just to get um, uh, what what led to it is I had been reading um biographies and uh, autobiographies. I read. Uh, which which started with me reading um, a book called How to Win Friends and Influence People by Carnegie, and it's a it's a book from like the 40s or the 30s or something like that. And then I was like, okay, he's quoted a lot of Benjamin Franklin's autobiography and a lot about Lincoln. So let me read Ben Franklin's autobiography, which was it was decent. All right, it was good. It wasn't great because he wasn't real consistent with it. And it, it really didn't get down into the details of what you really wanted, which was, you know, um, a lot of his, uh, you know, the time that he spent during the revolution and all that. I, I'm sure he was very busy and couldn't couldn't be bothered. Uh, I need to read a book about Ben Franklin is what I need to do. And that's what I decided to do with Lincoln. So I read a book about Lincoln, but this book was 100 years old and was written by a British lord. I got it off Amazon and it was a rough read. It was 400 and something pages, but I got through it. And then I decided that I wanted to learn about Jesus like that. And so I read through Matthew, which probably wasn't the best of the gospels um, to do that with. And, and I, I found myself with an oversimplified view of Christ uh, as I read through. Because he doesn't say much or do much. I, I should have probably chosen Luke or John. Um, but it made me wish that someone had really sat down back back then in the day and just wrote out a biography of Jesus. I just want to know what he was like, what he did, how he the, the, the choices he made day in and day out. And I know, I know we got what we got, okay? And I'm, I'm not complaining. But wouldn't it be nice to have a biography 
of Jesus. You know, maybe his mom started it. And we find out about, you know, his life and how he grew up and where he went to school and how he did with his studies and what odd jobs he did and, and how, you know, how he behaved. If he ever ran a donkey into the house on accident, you know, kids do stupid things that aren't necessarily sinful, you know. Um, I, it, it would just be nice. It would be nice to, to know that. So I, I, having come up short in, in Matthew, I decided, well, the best way to get an idea about Jesus it would probably be through the Old Testament because I remember, um, I think it was Stephen. Uh, I don't remember whoever chased that that uh, rode in the chariot with the rich man and explained to him about the Messiah. He was using the Old Testament, and so I was like, I'm going to read the Old Testament, and then maybe that'll give me a better idea of Christ. And and one thing I tell you, it has done is it has shown me the necessity of of the 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 role that Christ plays in in our faith um oh my gosh we we need him so badly we need a redeemer a a a, a point of of grace someone pleading our case before the throne because the the law um is is they say a blessing and a curse it, and it is it's 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 so hard there's so much and um, I know that Christ said that he didn't come to subtract anything from the law and that the law would be fulfilled and all that good stuff. Um, but Job talks about having someone, you know, he, he just wished for someone that he could go to to plead his case before God. And we have that. And he didn't. And... um. So though I'm not getting a biography of Jesus Christ's life, I'm definitely getting a, a good education on um, how how daggum necessary he is uh, to anyone that is seeking any kind of salvation. Uh, good Lord. The stuff that the Old Testament folks had to go through um, and, and, and just how how horrible they were <laughs> keeping the law, uh, just worshiping other gods and stuff. It's like, um, it's almost funny. It's, it's not, but it's funny how many times just based on who was in office at the time, as far as the King went, that the Asherah poles were, were cut down and, and the high places were torn down or not. Um, and the idols, and temples of Baal were torn down, but then they'd just be rebuilt by the next guy. And then they'd be torn down by the next guy. And then they would be rebuilt. And if you were a priest of Baal, they didn't just fire you when they were done with your temple and, and your God, they would burn you on your own altar. And, uh, so that, that's not good. Uh, but there's, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just learned that the Old Testament, there's a lot in there that doesn't make a very good Bible story, but it's, but it's good stuff. It's very telling. And, uh, I don't, I don't know what got into me. I've never had a desire to sit and read through the Bible, but now it is like an all consuming thing. 
Um, like every spare bit of time I have, I'm popping open my app and I'm reading for an hour or two at a time. And, um, I told my wife that after I'm done reading, I'm going to have magic powers. <laughs> That's what I've decided. Somehow or another, I'm going to have magic God powers. <laughs> that is stupid. Uh, but I, 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 I do look forward to getting through it and then rereading, um, and, and all that. And, and you know what sponsored that some, somewhat, not only wanting a biography of Christ, but the, uh, the biography on Lincoln said that he was very well versed in the scriptures and would quote them and things like that. And I'm like, well, that gum, I want to be like Lincoln, you know, Lincoln was an awesome dude. Um. So, you know, I, I, I wanted, I wanted to do that. So I've started to do that and I'm glad because I've never, Christianity has been a, a hard thing for me my whole life. It's been a thorn in my flesh. Just be honest, not Jesus, not God, not the Holy spirit, but Christianity. Um, it's never come easy for me. It's never been something that I've been particularly good at. Um, I, I've, I've always, I wouldn't say always, uh, there was a brief period of stupidity, uh, between childhood and adulthood that I think a lot of us experience, but, uh, for my adult life, at least I have in my childhood, I, I have tried to put God first and, and every major decision, you know, everything God's ever asked me to do, I've done it. Um, and, and though I have sinned all the way through and I have made mistakes all the way through, uh, I, I'll, I'll just say that I have been more, more or less faithful. I, I can't brag or, or, or say anything great about it, but cause there are people that are so much better at being Christians than me. They, they read their Bible every day. They pray every day. They, they love going to church. They love the hymns. Uh, they love worship. Um, I struggle with all of those things, but in my heart, I am one that tends to put God in, in, in front of everything. And, um, you wouldn't, wouldn't know it probably, but even with that story show, um, it's very important to me that, that show be pleasing in the sight of God. And, and even though we're talking about farts and butts most of the time, uh, and people could probably pull up a plethora of scriptures about how we're supposed to have better speech than what's on that show. Um, I, I still want it to be something that glorifies God ultimately and without being a pain in the neck about it. But um, my, my point is, uh, that I just have always struggled with Christianity. It's, it's been hard. Um, when I was young, uh, Christianity was a burden. It was, um, imposed on me by my parents. And, um, there was a lot of pressure to perform because we went to a charismatic church where, uh, the, the outward signs were kind of glorified over glorified a little bit. So, you know, raising your hands during worship was something that was, uh, smiled upon and then not doing it was kind of frowned upon. Um, 
you know, speaking in tongues and, and having miracles and believing. And then we were also part of the word of faith movement, which, uh, at the time, and I'm sure it's still out there going on somewhere, but at the time it was fairly popular to have a positive confession and to say things with your mouth that, that, that only would speak life. And, and, and it was to the nth degree in my home to the point that if you said you had a headache, that was a lack of faith and you couldn't take Tylenol because that would be a lack of faith after you prayed about your headache. Um, it wasn't to the point that we didn't go to the hospital, thank God, but, but it was, um, it was, it was just, it's just stuff that didn't make sense to me. It seemed, um, silly. It seemed to not work. And, uh, I mean, I've told you guys my, my deal that when I turned 18 to 20, somewhere in there, I, I pretty much decided that I was done with, uh, all of it. Uh, not, not God, not Jesus. Um, I, I knew that I had enough VBS and Sunday school in me to, uh, to know that that was real, but all the other stuff I had decided I'm done with that because it's been, it's kind of been fake. It's stuff that I haven't seen it change anybody's life. I, I know the Bible verses and I see the great power and the movement of God. And I see the way he moved through the disciples, even in the new Testament. And I remember Christ saying greater works than these will you do. And, and yet out of all the people that claim to have so much faith, you know, I, I had never truly seen a miracle. I had never experienced any of the things that people said was, were possible. And the things that we sang about and prayed for and all that, I'd never, I'd never seen it. And I just said, I'm done. It's fake. And, uh, I, I'll just, I'm just gonna, you know, th just be done with that. And a voice came to me. It was my own voice. It was my own brain, but I know it was God speaking to me, um, to my mind or whatever, because it made so much sense. And it was something I would never be able to think of on my own. That's when you hear me talk about God spoke to me. Um, that's what it means to me is that I had a thought that was way too smart for my stupid, dumb, stupid brain. And when I said in my head that I'm done, um, my, my inner voice kind of went like this. It said, yeah, the stuff you've been through has been fake, but everything that's fake is imitating something real. And I said in myself, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Well, I'm going to hang out and wait out and, and seek after that. And that's kind of been my thing for the last 20 years since then is to be a seeker of, of what is true and what if, if there are miracles, if there are prayers that are answered, if there is a, a, a real spirituality that can be attained, um, then my life has been dedicated to following that. Now I haven't done a very good job of it. I haven't been on that road constantly. Um, well, I've been on the road. I just haven't been walking down it at full 
full full pace. You know what I'm saying? At all times. There's been times I've plopped down in the middle of it, rolled around in the mud for a bit. Um, but that's that's kind of where I'm at with this now, too, is I, I'm really going to dig in, and I'm really going to see, because I'm really desperate. The ultimate thing right now is I'm very de- desperate to have a, 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 a point to my life. And um, depression has taken away my purpose. And the point, you know, whatever the point of life is, I, I know I have my kids I have my wife and I know that, that if I died today, um, that I would have been a great person just because I helped bring them into the world and help shape them into who they are. Um, I, I, I know that in just a very logical way that makes sense. I know what they would say at my funeral, in other words. Um, so I'm not being braggy or anything. I'm, I'm just, I just know what they would say and that's what they would say. Um, but in the back of everybody's mind at the funeral, they would say, yeah, but he was so creative and he didn't really do anything with it. Especially there at the end, it was like he hit his peak in in his thirties. And then after that, it just went to Hades in a handbasket and, and they would be right. Um, I want to be better than I am and I want to do more than I'm doing. Uh, I want a purpose and, and I want a calling again because I haven't, I haven't felt called in a while. Uh, it used to be for those that may not know, and I'll always assume this show has got somebody in there that doesn't know what they're listening to. I used to be a, a children's pastor of a very large church. Um, it was a church of 5,000 people. We had 350 kids and on a Sunday and uh, 100 in the nursery and 100 in pre-K. And at our peak, like I said, 350 kids, an average of maybe 250 to 300 in, in every service. And I was over all of children's ministry, including Wednesday nights and pre-K. And uh, sun- I wasn't over Sunday school or uh, the nursery, thank God. But uh, anyway, it was it was the highlight. You know, it was where I was at. It was what I was doing. And um, I looking back, I could say I was good at it. I held it was an inner city church, very diverse congregation and I, I you know it was hard it was hard work but that's what I did and then depression started coming in and I thought it was work related so I moved to another church in uh, Florida that had about 50 kids and a lot smaller church um, but it had a lot of potential had a big building and it had once had thousands of people in it, but there had been a church split years before. A lot of people had been hurt, and it was ripe. It was ripe for a, a comeback, and it and it still could be if they would just reach out to the neighborhood that they're planted in. Um, but depression crept in more and more to the point that I had to turn in my badge and and um, 
tell him I couldn't do the job anymore. And ever since then, I have felt like a loser. Um, I mean, depression got to the point that I couldn't even do podcasting, and I still struggle. Um, lately have been, especially with Gospel of Kennison. Um, those that listen know that sometimes the Gospel of Kennison is the hardest job that I have, the hardest one I can do, because I, I have to talk about stuff <laughs> that's going on. And sometimes I feel like there's nothing to talk about. I don't want to bore you with, oh, guess what? Depressed today. So, um, anyway, that's, that's kind of where I'm at is I'm looking for purpose and I want to read. I want to be a person that has read the Bible through and through. I want to become familiar with it. Like, like, uh, like Lincoln. Um, I want to be able to see the connections I want to I want to see the references to the Messiah uh, in the Old Testament, and I do. I, I, I every now and then they pop up, and I'm like, oh, there it is. You know, there's one of the scriptures, like like Psalm 22, starts with my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which is what Jesus said on the cross, and I never realized that Homeboy was quoting Psalm 22, which goes on to talk about his enemies casting lots for his clothes and stuff like that. I mean, it's just, it really opens your eyes. Um, because even, even, you know, in, in Christian circles, we're, we're, we're encouraged to read the new Testament almost more than the old Testament. Like the old Testament was for the old ways and the new Testament's for us. And, and I'm sure that is true. Um, but the Bible says that all of it, is useful for teaching and you know all that stuff. I don't know have the scripture memorized, but you know which one I'm talking about. And all all scriptures God breathed and useful for teaching and 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 obtaining righteousness or whatever. Um you know, my quota is broke. So I don't know. I, I like I said I've been reading the Old Testament as if there was no New Testament. And that this is all I know about God. And I'm telling you, Leviticus is not where you want to start. Start, start with Genesis, <laughs> get the creative God, you know, uh, get the one that's saving his people from slavery, uh, and, and doing all his bad stuff to the, the, the Egyptians and the Pharaoh. Uh, don't start Leviticus where he starts drilling down on his own people. It's, it's a tough, it's a tough place to start. Uh, cause God seems downright mean. <laughs> he, he's very particular and he loves barbecue. Uh, the smell of it anyway. He, he, if you read it, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, he likes, he likes the smell of barbecue. Good barbecue. Um, anyway, enough of that. What I wanted to do is get to my main point, um, which was, what do you do with homeless people? Um, I, 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 uh, I see several homeless people every single day. They're always in the same spot begging by the side of the road. And I used to be a person that would give them something. But then when I started working at the inner city church, like I said, I got to know homeless people. And I found out that a large majority of them are homeless, not by accident, not um, 
because life has just, you know, dealt them a, a rotten hand um, or, or, or it's just not random. You know, it's I don't know. When I was a kid, I thought homeless people were just unlucky. You know, oh, boy, they ended up homeless. You know, I found out that that many of them worked to get there and they got there through drugs and alcohol and they stay there because of drugs and alcohol. Um, many of them struggle with mental illness, which, you know, they get my, uh, sympathy for that, but they're treating it with drugs and alcohol. And so I, I stopped giving handouts to, to them. And you say, well, James, what you do is you give them food. Well, you know, I'm on my way back and forth from dropping my kids off at school. I don't have any food and I see them every single day and they, they're not starving. They just want money. And I assume they want money, obviously, to eat, but but probably for drugs and alcohol. And so today I was really asking myself, because the Bible is very clear that for the for the widows and orphans and the poor and and the 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 um, the alien, you know, that, that is visiting from outside your city, you're you know, you're supposed to in the Old Testament help these people out. And so I really sat there at the stoplight today with a homeless guy to my left. And uh, I was like, should this $20 bill in my pocket go to that man? And so here's the question. Here's the question that I have. Is when, when and if I give that money, am I to blame for supporting his lifestyle of drugs and alcohol, knowing that some of that, if not all that money is going to go into his body. uh, And and it's not going to be for any other reason other than to get high. Or do I, am I, am I free of that guilt because I gave it with the intention of it going toward his welfare? And that's the question I'm just going to put out to you guys. And you guys are really good about responding to my questions. Um, I almost wish we had a message board or some of some kind that was separate from all the other listeners, you know, because we're the special ones. We're the ones that listen to this show and you guys get the inside track and all that stuff. So, um, so my, my question is, uh, if I gave that guy 20 bucks and he shot it into his arm or shot it up his nose or, or, or crack smoked it or whatever, uh, or shot it in his arm or put it under his tongue or something like that. Am I to blame? Do I carry that guilt or is, am I better off just not giving him money? Cause that's what's been my solution till now is okay. I'm not, helping him but i'm not hurting him either i'm not enabling him i don't know so that's that's the real question of gok today is i know from my inner city workings that there are tons of places out there that will give this man a bed to lie in and will give him a way out of his addictions and we'll help him to get a job. I mean, we our church partners with recovery centers uh, that are specifically for men 
who are trying to get straight and it's full of guys that are nice guys and they're struggling and they're working their way to get clean and, um, and trying to live for God in the process and all this. Uh, so I, I know that help is already out there. Everything they need to get right. If they want to is available to them and they always know where the shelters are because in the inner city, when I couldn't help them, I would send them somewhere and they would be like, yeah, I I'm not allowed there anymore because I did this, this and this or whatever. And so some of them had used up all their chances, you know? Um, so I, I know that in St. Louis, there are places like that. Um, so again, my question is, do I give him money knowing that he might do something bad with it? Or do I give him money with the intention of him using it properly? And then it's on him what he does with it and not me. Or do I just stick with where I'm at and maybe say a prayer for him and move on? That's the question I have not explicitly spelled out in the big book anywhere that I know of. So let me know what you think. I'm going to stop it right here at 37 minutes in. It's just kind of a short one, but that's all I got to say right now. And maybe, um, maybe we'll get another one this week. Uh, if I can think of something to talk about because I owe you guys big time. Um, thanks for listening to this GOK and I uh, hope you can, Tell it came from my heart. And I love you guys. Thank you for being listeners to this specific program. And for those of you that support me on Patreon, I appreciate that too. If you'd like to support me on Patreon, you can do that. Patreon.com slash GOK. And, you know, something tiny once a month um, really helps because uh, this is my job. So I, I appreciate it. And thank you in advance. Uh, this has been James Kennison, and this is GOK, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye.